Hey everyone, welcome to Epicurean Unicorn, the podcast where we delve into the science and art of bread, patisserie, and so much more. We're interviewing and conversing with experts on these items so that we can better understand and help you learn more about the wonderful culinary world we live in. Our hosts, Amanda, Brayden, and me, Connie, will be guiding you on the delicious adventure that we have in store. So sit back, buckle up, and get ready to rumble. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Epicurean Unicorn. I'm your host, Connie, and I am Brayden. Yeah, no, obviously Brayden is not here, and neither is Amanda today, because those two are busy in fabulous Las Vegas um, at the IBIE convention, helping to show customers, consumers, and other industrial players what Paratus has to offer. So today you guys are stuck with me, at least as the uh, lead-in and outro person, co-host, whatever you want to call it. Braden did have a chance to conduct an interview with Dennis Littley, um, who might be more well-known as Chef Dennis. Chef Dennis is a chef, obviously, a blogger and traveler extraordinaire, and he has a lovely website that we will reference and talk about all throughout the episode. Um, and what I want to say before we even get into this interview was that Chef Dennis is such a sweetheart. He is so kind and easy to talk to, and he really taps into the passion he has regarding helping others to learn. And it sounds like he's done that his entire life from the start of his career to where he is now. He was super cute to listen to, um, and there was a really great conversation had by him and Brayden. And I have to admit, Chef Dennis's tone was so comforting that I felt myself slipping into an ASMR state at points. So watch out for that if you guys are about to listen to this episode. Um, luckily, Chef Dennis and, of course, my super animated host, Brayden, always brought things back around to a very interesting topic so I could get out of that ASMR state and learn more about what the chef is up to. And I really like how Chef Dennis has experienced the world, but he's kind of at a back-to-basics phase right now, too, when it comes to his blogs and recipes. Um, and as a little teaser, pasta sauce is hot, and we are not talking temperature-wise. But it kind of just shows that no matter what trends are happening in the industry, you can always count on the basics to really please your people, your listeners, and hungry people everywhere. In order to speak to Chef Dennis, we have to what do what? Shimmy on down to Club Unicorn. So I'm doing it. Mm, mm, mm. Getting down those stairs. Uh, thanks, Unicorn Bouncer. Much appreciate He let me in today, even without Brayden. Well, ooh. Okay. All right. Looking at the spread, I see some of Chef Dennis' recipes are being featured in the club today. We have some seasonal desserts. Looks like a Jewish apple cake, pumpkin crunch cake. Yummy. Ooh, and then some stick to your bones savory options as well. Uh, looks like, what do we got here? We got Hunter's chicken, a nice classic meatloaf, some pasta fasciule. Oh my gosh, mouth is watering. Too bad Braden and Amanda are missing out today in fabulous Las Vegas, but hopefully they're getting uh, some really fantastic food of their own. I think it's like the biggest burger in the USA in Las Vegas or something. I don't know, to be discussed next episode. Now, Getting back to the point, if you want to become a member of Clarib Unicorn, what you need to do is give us a five-star review on one of our platforms, write something in that review, anything, 
It can be anything, especially if it has to do with the strong request from Brayden. Then you want to send a snapshot of that review and what you've written to epicureanunicorn at paradas.com so that we know you're in the club and we can get you all the VIP benefits you deserve. Okay, so now that hopefully your mouth is watering as much as mine is, let's get right into the interview with Chef Dennis. Chef Dennis, hello. Thank you so much for taking time out for us today. I really appreciate it. How have you been? I've been great. It's a beautiful day here in, I wanted to say Florida, but I'm not in Florida anymore. I'm in New Jersey. So it's a beautiful day today in New Jersey. Okay. And, uh, just loving life. So thanks <laughs> for having me on today. Okay. No, thank you for coming on. We spoke on the phone before connecting like this and you threw me for a loop because it was a New Jersey phone number and you were in Florida then. Yep. And we learned and we're going to learn you have a history with New Jersey and you had a really interesting job in New Jersey, which I can't wait to get to. Uh, you are Chef Dennis right? and you have a website, Ask Chef Dennis, which I have to say, I love the name of because you're already just inviting people in. You're saying, engage with me, ask me a question, and I'm going to teach you. And that's an attitude that's near and dear to my heart. What got you going on the path to becoming Chef Dennis? I always loved cooking. So, I mean, that was the natural lead in for me. But uh, I was, the last job I had was at an all girls high school uh, across the, the river in New Jersey to Philadelphia at Flower Town. And it was Mount St. Joseph's. And uh, I was there for a few years and you know, you, you always hire temps for events and they're, they're the, either wonderful or they're not. And usually they're not. And uh, one night I was doing an event and a girl came up and asked if she could help. She was bored. She was there, you know. And so, I, you know, I put an apron on her, showed her how to do some things. And it, just a light bulb went off and says, oh, I need to train my own staff. So the following year, I started a culinary program with my students, with the students in the school. And it was a huge success. And uh, I, I ran that for four years. But one of the things I instituted in the beginning was I wanted a place for the students to be able to talk to me, you know, to, to ask me questions and I could answer them. You know, I was at home, they were at home, they were doing something, but, you know, none of them ever wanted to do that. So I, I started a blog. And that was, mm -hmm. that was my solution to this. This was 2009, and uh, blogging was still pretty new to the general public. You know, people had been doing it since, you know, the late 1990s, but blogging was now coming into its own, and people were seeing this online and on the Internet. So, uh, I, like I said, I set it up for my girls. They had no part of it. They wanted to come talk to me and ask me questions. They didn't want to do it online, but... People at the school started going to it. Students started going to it. Uh, in February of, of 2010, I found a company called Food Buzz who was out of San Francisco. And they had a worldwide reach, included bloggers from all over the world. So I made all these friends all over the world and in, in the States and saw these incredible dishes being prepared. And it really revitalized my passion and uh, and it started me wanting to become a food blogger and you know but while you're working yeah it's not a lot of time for for something like that and I, I did the best I could with the limited time I have and when we finally when I finally did retire because my body was just beat up and broken uh, we moved to Florida and I started spending more time blogging and just over the course of the next few years things started to pick up things started to build and it became a, a really vital business. I didn't get that from when we connected at first. So it was the experience of wanting to teach the students 
after this one event, you you had someone come up and you realized, wow, I can teach as well as as be the the chef for this school, and that's how this all started. Yeah, it was. It's crazy. Oh, it's you never know. Yeah, yeah. It it was just something that worked out. And the first year, I had sixty girls sign up. There were six hundred girls in this school. Ten percent of them signed up for the class. Uh, uh, fortunately for me, oh wow, yeah. Uh, they were all such, they were busy. They, they did so much. These girls were just amazing and they had all their interests. Well, the ones that were older wanted to be there, but they just couldn't fit it in their schedule. So I ended up with 11 freshmen mm -hmm. as my students at the end of the year. So that's what I started building on year after year. And then the next year I used them to teach. And it was basically that freshmen were the only ones I was going to get coming out rare that someone, an older mm -hmm. classman would be able to stay. So they would teach the sophomores, and then I had, you know, juniors and sophomores to teach the next batch. And then at the end, I had my, a full, you know, not a full group, but I had some seniors, and I had all the classes representative. So it, it was just amazing. They wow. and they were they were teaching, and I was, you know, I wasn't doing it yeah. to create chefs. I did take them to the CIA in New York the last year because I got so tired mm -hmm. of hearing. They come up to me almost condescending, and goes, "Oh, chef." Maybe after regular school, we'll go to culinary. And I'm going, it is a regular school. You know? <laughs> so I took them to the CIA and showed them. And they just like, their mouths just dropped. They couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, that's amazing that you were able to get the programs running to teach while also being in charge of feeding these kids. And you were yeah. feeding the students yeah. out of the kitchen as well. That's quite an accomplishment. Wow. And that's what kicked off what you're doing now with the food blog. And you have a ton of recipes up there and the travel, which I'm imagining and I've seen has changed a bit. Yeah. Something happened a few years ago. <laughs> sad, sad, but true. Uh, uh, hoping it comes back, though. So, Yeah. Is that something I'm curious? Is that something you miss from what you're doing, being able to get out and explore? Because chefs are very tactile people. I can imagine it's been hard. I, I love traveling, but it had almost taken over my life. And the food blog had become oh. secondary. And I was so consumed with travel and the opportunities I was having to see the world and, and being sent places. And, and my social media, you know, social media in itself is a real full-time job. So between all that... I had almost forgotten about food. It's sad to say. I was not being as productive as I should be. When the pandemic hit, something really great happened. I remembered I liked to cook. And uh, mm. at that point, you know, we mm. were going out to dinner. We were, it just wasn't on, it wasn't something I cared to do or wanted to do. Uh, I almost was burned out in that way. Well, when the pandemic hit, I started ordering stuff online. I found small farms for meats. Uh, I was getting seafood from Alaska. Uh, you know, I was using a grocery service to, to bring stuff into the house so I didn't have to leave. And it left me with all this time. I was like, well, what am I going to cook today? What am I going to cook today? So it was almost like the gates opened up and all this stuff that had been pent up that I hadn't been cooking for a while because I was so involved in traveling, just started pouring out and I started getting very productive again. And uh, it was great. It was really good because, yes, you know, I love doing this. I really love cooking. Yeah, oh, that's great to hear. It's funny. A lot of people we talked to, they realized, you know, when they got locked in or locked down, wow, I'm, I'm missing this part 
of my life or yeah i have too much of this too little of this and they were able to make some of these changes so it's always good to hear if we could i'd like to hop for a moment into the wayback machine we sure. kind of got ahead of ourselves a little bit a lot of what we want to do here is inspire people about the food industry in general if we got in the wayback machine and, and we met younger dennis before he was a chef what inspired you to get into this profession well, it was something I always loved to eat. I mean, uh, it was it was always a passion. My mother couldn't cook; she was a nurse, and I, I found out later in life that it wasn't that she couldn't have cooked; she just didn't feel like cooking. She she enjoyed it later in her years when she got older and retired. But at that point, she was just busy working, raising a family, trying to keep from going insane with me, you know, as a child. <laughs> there was a TV show on called The Galloping Gourmet with Graham Kerr. And that mm -hmm. was on in the mm -hmm. late 60s. And I would watch him come on and people would literally moan when they tasted his food. And that just resonated with me. I mean, I had no plans on being a chef at that point. I had I, I didn't know what I was going to be. Uh, but it just was was like, wow, I'd watch him and I'd, and he was so cool and savoir-faire with the ascot and, and the accent. And uh, it just was like, I said, wow, what a great way to make a living, you know, being make, making food and watching the reactions of how people just were overjoyed and just, oh my God, it was, it was amazing. So I think that was always in the back of my mind. I, I had worked as a hamburger cook when I was 12 so, I mean, I was always had my hand in some kind of preparation of food. Yeah, and I was, and I actually became the manager. I don't know if we're allowed to, s <laughs> to say that. Well, this was back in the day. The, when wait, the manager? I became the manager when I was yeah. 13. <laughs> okay. Oh. I, was, I was an overachiever at that point, And uh, I was really good at that. And business has always been something I excelled at. And uh, the guy recognized that. And I had the keys. They'd have to drive me home because I couldn't drive. But I had the keys to unlock and lock the place <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, oh, so, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That would not fly today. That oh, no. Oh, no. Not <laughs> at all. create a, a fear. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. There, wow. there were there oh. were no eight o'clock nights. It was closing. It was ten o'clock. Whatever it was. I and my and my mm -hmm. parents were fine. They knew where I was. You know, yeah. and I was I was doing something I yeah, enjoyed yeah. doing. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. 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 I mean, you got you got exposed early as to what a lot of the food industry can be. What you oh, know, the God. restaurant side of it is certainly. I wow. remember. I had run out of, with it. That yeah. I remember I had run out of root beer syrup one day and I called a neighboring fast food restaurant up one of the chains and I talked to the guy on the phone mm -hmm. and I said, you know, I'm, I'm out of this. Is there any way you could lend me a gallon of this syrup? So my, my boss doesn't go crazy on me. And cause I'd forgot to order it. And I was, I think 15. Right. So my mother drove me down to there and I come out and I said, that's the guy. And he's looking yeah. at me like, well, where's the manager? I said, me, that's me. He says, you're, I'm the one you talked to. <laughs> So it was, it was, he was kind of surprised, but he gave me the gallon of syrup and everything was good. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Oh, that's great. You had said earlier you brought the girls 
when you were cooking and, and then teaching at the, the high school up to the Culinary Institute of America, the CIA, yeah. is that where you went? Is that where your passion led you? No, I, I actually was an apprentice. Okay. I had uh, been in management most of my life afterwards. And mm-hmm. I was actually working at a nursing home running a food service department. And, and I had been blessed with the, the dietitian who was just brilliant. She was retired, just trying to make extra money to, for her grandkids. And um, she had run the University of Pennsylvania Hospital on both sides, the dietitians and the food service. Oh, wow. She had been, she had worked at the Mayo Clinic. You know, she had done, she was just brilliant. And she taught me mm-hmm. so much while I was there. And uh, I went back to school and I got my associates, but, you know, not as, as a culinary. And uh, I was there mm-hmm. and one of my salesmen said, this guy's looking for a prep cook, a line cook, doesn't pay anything. He knew I was just dying to get out of there. So um, I took it, you know, I, I was able to take a serious pay cut and I took it and worked the summer and uh, started training and watching. I watched everything the chefs did. Um, and I just tried to mirror them and, and mimic them. And the one chef was a CIA graduate, and he was amazing in everything he did, except he didn't like to cook. That was that was just not something no. he enjoyed. He did everything else. He loved mm-hmm. the business, but that just wasn't that wasn't what made him happy. So I would watch, and an order to come in, and I'd go to cook it, and he'd look. And after a while, he knew I knew what I was doing. You know, I, I was I was making everything pretty good. The owner would come in, he'd go, what the heck's he doing there? And, he, and the guy grabbed me and throw me out. He was huge, bigger than me. I'm big, but he was big. Throw me to the oh, side. Man. And then the owner would go away and go, okay, okay, God's good. Go back, go back. You're good. You're good. <laughs> you know, so this happened for like the last month of the summer and uh, Labor Day, our busiest day of the year, the owner got stung by like 16 bees and, and they had to give him all this Benadryl to knock oh. him out. Oh, so I walk in Labor Day, Saturday night, busiest day of the year. And the guy looks at me, and says, guess who's cooking tonight, cuz? And I said, who? He goes, you are. I went, OK, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so uh, that was my trial by fire graduation as the, the chef. Then I spent another couple of years still learning everything and working with them and, and, you know, learning all the fine points. But from that point on, I was the guy in the corner they trusted. So. And, and what, you were 17, 18, 19? Oh, no, no, <laughs> not at not 13. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no I, I wish. I was actually at that point, I think, let's see, I was uh, 30, 34. Yeah, it was, it was a late change okay. for me. Yeah, yeah. I was in, the, yeah. in my early 30s. That's a great point, though, because now I feel... A lot of young people I talk to, and I've been talking to a lot of them through my work, they kind of feel like they have to know in some way, shape, or form what they would like to do. And I've told them, hey, I've made changes. Other people, you've made changes. You'll find what you love, and you'll find where you're going to be successful. You just need to be open to possibilities. You have to say yes. And I think the biggest point, that, that a lot of them don't get at this point of their lives is it's not about just making money. It's about being happy mm-hmm. and, and the quality of life. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody is in a rush to see how much they can make, which, you know, you need money to live. I'm not saying that. But 
it's it shouldn't be the primary consideration on why you take a job or why you go into profession it's does it bring you joy because if it brings you some joy and satisfaction if you can say it's a job well done mm -hmm. you're going to want to go to work day after day after day and you're going to be doing this job for 30 50 years who knows so you got to kind of be happy about it if it's just about the money and you dread going in and i've had those jobs dread going to work or dread the phone ringing because you know they're calling you to complain about something you know that's the wrong job mm. to have. yeah yeah well let's skip ahead and let's talk a little bit about I mean, what it is you're doing now uh i alluded to the fact that on your blog you have a lot of recipes so let's head in that direction because as part of what I do is my team and I develop recipes. We do it a little differently, though. So I, I just want to kind of talk shop, yeah. talk process. Sure. What does it take to get one of these recipes from the inception to having it actually on your blog as something that a person can go look at and execute in their home kitchen? Well, with all the experience I have, some of them make the make their way out of my blog very easily you know i i may make something once and it came out just right and then there's other times that i've made it three times before i've gotten it to where i wanted it to be so the process varies and a lot of it like i said it just has to do with all these years of experience that i have i kind of know uh, what to do with with food where someone just learning wouldn't have that experience so this is what i try to pass on now so i start the process you know I, again with me when i pick something i'm going to make it's usually something i want to eat or something one of my readers mm -hmm. has suggested mm -hmm. okay there, there's got to be a need for it I, I don't go to these um seo machines and say what will i rank for <laughs> okay and believe mm -hmm. me a lot yeah, of bloggers yeah. do that a lot of bloggers do that i make i go mm, what yeah. do i want for dinner what looks good in the store you know i always start in the produce department and pick what's the freshest and what's local like i said i buy all my meats and seafood online pretty much so i have them already so then i decide what i'm going to build mm -hmm. or what sounds good or what, what what can i make and you know and lately I had been in that mindset of a restaurant chef where I was creating new things, pushing the boundaries, you know, not making difficult things, but making new things. And, and people, it's hard sometimes for people to grasp that concept. You have to educate them about food at the same time. And I was missing out and people started saying, well, you know, I, I really liked it, Chef Dennis, but can you, how do I roast a chicken? How do I marinate salmon? How do I, something, oh, I, I got to... <laughs> I got to give, I have to give them the basics before I teach them how to make a kubiak of salmon or how to spatchcock a, a chicken. You know, let's, let's teach them just how to, how to do the basics first and get them excited about cooking. So now I've been going back and forth with different recipes, but I've been trying to do more of the uh, just basic good recipes and, and uh, it's working really well. My, okay. my readers and followers are loving it. So. And I'm on the pasta sauces okay. now, too. That's my new thing. A lot of different pasta sauces. Ooh, pasta sauces. Yeah. What, what have you been making? Like, what are the hot pasta sauces now? Well, nothing new, but new for people. Like, you know, penne okay. vodka, a vodka sauce. 
right? And and I, uh-huh, I made uh-huh. it, but I tell people, actually using the vodka is just a waste of good vodka, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it does interact a little with tomatoes, <laughs> but not enough uh-huh. to really to really need it. it. It was invented in the 70s in New York City and uh, as a gimmicky recipe. And it actually made its way mm-hmm. to to Italy in the 80s as a gimmicky recipe. But it wasn't of Italian roots. I mean, it was a cream sauce. So- a creamed red sauce is basically a rosa sauce that's been around, but it's not something you see a lot of in Italy. Uh, so I, I made that. Mm-hmm. I, I did an, an arriabatta, a penne a, an angry pasta, which is a little spicy. Um, I, I'd made that, and that's works. And uh, last week, I made a napolitana ragu, which is made with ribs, chuck, and sausage. And oh my God, it was okay. so good. You know, I let it simmer for about five hours. And this is one of the sauces you make. Okay. And you, have, you have enough for about five meals, so you freeze it. So, uh, Those are the best. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, those, those are the best because like you said, it's it's five meals you know meal yeah. planning is yeah. done for yeah. one yeah. day a week for a month uh yeah yeah, yeah. and those days that you're tired yeah. and don't feel like cooking it's it makes life easy yes yeah nowadays at least yeah with in my house two smaller children although the nine-year-old's getting big still with the the little ones uh any day that the dinner can be easy yeah. <laughs> that's a good day for me yeah and a lot of times it's just as easy to make a, a bigger batch as it is just for, you know, one meal. So uh, That's what I'm always telling people. Like they'll ask us at work, oh, we asked for, you know, 36. We actually need 50. Is that a problem? Like, it's just as easy. It's literally two extra minutes Yeah. at yeah. the end of the day. You know, yeah. it's it's really not a not a problem. Out of... Everything that is on the website, I'm curious. Are there are there recipes like what are some of the most popular ones or the ones that have really resonated with people that you've been putting up there? Well, the longest la- lasting recipe and the one that gets the most traffic is my tiramisu recipe. Um, it's something that okay. I developed. You know, I, I made. I had a, an, an old friend teach me how to make that years and years ago, and I I was in Rome. Uh, right by the Spanish steps one Christmas Eve and this very touristy restaurant was set up just for locals that night and I had tiramisu there mm. and it was just like oh the, all the memories started flooding back from it so uh, it was there I wasn't blogging then but it was there so when I started blogging it was one of the first recipes I recreated I went back and that was a work in progress as I had to get the amounts right. I had to get the, you know, I came up with a sabillon, which was really, and then I remembered, yeah, that's how we did it. And I used that as the basis for the, for the cream, for the, for the tiramisu cream, you know, and the mascarpone and all that different stuff. Okay. So, so that, that is my, my okay. best. And then it, it fluctuates. Um, I've got an oven roasted rack of pork that does really well seasonally, but sometimes all year. Um, swordfish recipe because okay. there, there aren't that many out there does really well uh, and then lately I decided I'm not much of a griller I like to grill a little but it's mm-hmm. never been my passion so I, I, and I love ribs okay so so I did a oven baked mm-hmm. rib recipe that has 
been kicking butt <laughs> since I put it up and it's nice. been it's been nice. driving a lot of traffic. Yeah. So I do that, you know, like again, I'm not a griller. I don't pretend to be. I'm not a a pit master, mm -hmm. but I but I have a, a lot of different meat recipes that you would smoke or you know, granted they're not going to be as good as a smoker mm. or professionally grilled, but they come pretty close. Is that because, I mean, being a restaurant chef, being a chef at a high school, you don't necessarily have a grill or a smoker, right? Those aren't tools every no. kitchen has. Is that why you kind of have always shied away from it? Probably. You know, we had the, the grill in the mm -hmm. kitchen, but that's not the same thing. Uh, and when yeah, I went to the school, yeah. yeah, when I went to the school, I went and I bought a grill for them so I could do hamburgers and hot dogs and things out there for them. So... Okay. And it was more or less just to treat them. It wasn't because I wanted to. I just wanted to make them something different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it just was never like, you know, you see guys that just love to grill. And girls. I have a, a, a female friend mm -hmm. who is an amazing griller. And uh, they just really, that's their thing. It's never been my thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah put me, give me saute yeah. oh, pans. No, definitely, and, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I will cook you all night long for you. But, uh, and that's, that's what I like to do. So it's, again, yeah, there's joy to be had there. I do it because I can and, and yeah. I, and I want to eat something different, not because I find joy in it. Okay. All right. You were saying earlier how you realized when you started, oh, there's some basic techniques I need to teach people mm -hmm. and I need to do that so they can actually make these recipes. I'm curious, what is the kind of craziest message you've got if you're able to share it saying chef i'm having this problem because i'm doing this absolutely insane thing in the kitchen is there been anything just absolutely bonkers you've heard somebody ask you about yeah the funniest thing is chef dennis how do you cook goat oh okay <laughs> and i was like have you ever seen me cook a goat yeah, a goat. They wanted me to tell them how to cook goat. And and I'm like, really? And I get upset. And then I go, well, I am. Ask Chef Dennis. So I went and I had uh -huh. to, yeah. I Googled it and researched it. And I did about an hour's worth of work figuring out the best way to cook goats. And now I know how to cook goat. So I wrote back to them and said, well, I've never cooked a goat. But based on what I've learned about it, this is how I would do it. So, you know, I answered that uh -huh. question. Yeah. It was, and sometimes the questions okay. are challenges or challenges, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. I don't know how to do it, but maybe mm -hmm. I need to figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. I like that way of looking at it. Cause it is, if you don't step out of your comfort zone, you're not going to learn and you're not going to get better. So take it as a challenge, something oh, yeah. that's going to be interesting that, yeah, that happens to us too. Like our line of work, somebody asks us, Oh, we have a customer that wants to make X, Y, and Z. I've never made X, Y, and Z. I guess I better go learn how first. <laughs> yeah. And then I can yeah. help them. Yeah. And then you can walk them oh. through it. And and sometimes that's what the process takes. Or, yeah. or every now and then I'll get a question about something that happened. I'm going, how did that happen? You know, they well, what did I do wrong? And I'm going, oh my God, I have no idea what you did wrong because that should have never happened. But, you know, so you have to step back, mm -hmm. think of the mistakes that could have been made and how that could have happened. So that's. And I think in the mm -hmm. long run, it's making me better because I'm discovering yeah. new new ways to to do things or to not do things in this case. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With all the experience you have helping teach students in a high school, 
people cooking at home now through your blog. You've had a lot of experience helping people get better. Are there any hard and fast must-do type of actions that you've identified that you see common mistakes where you've had to just train a lot of people, oh, don't do this, do this? Anything like that? Well, a lot of the basic skills are skills that just take time and repetition, like knife handling, you know, how to hold the knife, right? How not to cut yourself. You know, uh, those are the the first things you need to teach people when you're teaching them. Uh, But other mistakes, the, the biggest mistake I find with people cooking is that they'll take a recipe off the internet and because someone like me or some mm-hmm. big chef said, this is how you make it, they think that's the gospel and that's how they have to make it. Mm-hmm. So there's an ingredient in here that they do not like. They don't like the flavor. They've never liked the flavor. But because I said or someone said it has to be in there, well, they're going to make it. And they'll spend time buying the stuff. They'll prep the stuff. They'll cook, they'll cook the meal. They'll spend all this time working through it and they'll taste it and they'll go, oh, I just don't like it. So right now mm-hmm. they've just, you know, you, they've just ruined the experience for themselves because, mm-hmm. and their family, because it's something they just don't like. And what I'm telling them is if you don't like it, leave it out. Okay. It's not the end of the world. For most instances, you can replace it with something else or just leave it out altogether mm-hmm. and, and or add something that you do like. My, my favorite comments that I get are from readers that say, I made your recipe, but I did this, this, and this to it. And everybody loved it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, congratulations. You That's have just, great. you know, you have discovered the art of cooking. It's about mm-hmm. using ingredients that yeah. you have and that you like. And, and if it tastes great when you're done, guess what? Tomorrow, you're ready to go back in the kitchen and make something else. So once we get them to this point of yeah. really finding the joy in the kitchen, now I can direct them to make something a little more difficult. You know, it's like now, all right, now let's try. Have you ever had a Kubiak of salmon? Do you like salmon? This, let's make this. It's really mm-hmm. not difficult. It just looks like it is. So, you know, then we can move on to something else. So, you, but again, it's like educating, educating them on how to eat, educating them yeah. that it's okay mm-hmm. to make these changes. I can't think of a better way to start wrapping this up. That's a great positive sentiment. I listen to that and what I hear is, You can do it. You can put in the time. You can make it the way that you would like it, and you can do it. And that's a great positive message and positive outlook for people trying to get them into the kitchen. I would like to move towards the end now. You've been very generous. These stories are fantastic. And I've enjoyed looking through your blog, looking at your website, Uh, even though you're not doing it now, some of the older travel stuff was really interesting to me about some of the destinations, places I've never been. And I've said, oh, well, maybe I should consider that. Maybe I should add that to the list. So, you know, thank you for for putting that out there. Before we, we finish, are there any other, though, final thoughts that you would want to leave folks with around what you're doing or just the food industry in general and, and, and what it's meant to you to be part of this and had all of these experiences? 
Well, you know, food is something we bond over. And especially in travel, I learned that even more. Um, my wife is very mm -hmm. gregarious yeah. and she'll wander off and start talking to people that, she, that don't understand her and she doesn't understand them. And, but they'll end up sitting down at a table, having, sharing, having a beer or eating something. And she tells me to come over and eat with them. So food is a bonding. Food brings us together. Food, you can put strangers at a dinner table and at the end of the dinner, they'll be talking to each other, joking, having a good time because food does that. You know, this is where we missed out with the family part of food as a bonding experience. And I think the pandemic brought a little of it back. But this is an opportunity for you to get, you know, the kids away from their phones for a little while or let them take some Instagram pics. Let them do some TikTok videos. All right. No. If you're going <laughs> to use them, let's make it productive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's share. Let's get them involved. Yeah, yeah. If that's the way they want to get involved, let's get them involved that way. But bring mm -hmm. them into the kitchen. Talk about your day while you're cooking. You know, talk about life while you're mm -hmm. preparing and then sit down and bond over a meal. Let me tell you something. They will never forget that experience for the rest of their lives. And as they get older, they'll mm -hmm. try and emulate mm -hmm. that. And, and we've lost so much of that. So remember that food is there to bond with people. Don't ever be afraid to have a meal with a stranger, you know, unless they're carrying a big axe or something. But I mean... Uh, uh, <laughs> They may have just yeah. killed a goat. Yes, they may have. They may have. for dinner. Right. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, talk to people, eat with people, uh, share share a cup of coffee and, and just, you know, if you sit down next to someone, don't bury your head in your newspaper and go, oh my God, I hope they don't talk to me. You know, say hello, you know, and life is too short. Mm -hmm. Enjoy yourself. And you're going to find you're going to have a lot more joy in life and food is going to be a big part of that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't put a better ending on this myself. I am, though, contractually obligated to move into the final segment where I ask you some unexpected and unanticipated questions. All right. So we can get to know you on just a different level. It sounds like you're ready. Fantastic. I'm ready. If you could visit any location at any point in time... Where would you go? I would go to Paris in 2150. And I want to see what the in future has to do. Yeah. I want to see what the future has to do okay. with food. Okay. If you had to be limited to one knife, you can only use one knife from now until the end of your cooking career. Which one would you choose? Oh, that's easy. My chef's knife. That's it. I have, um, I think it's an eight inch or nine inch chef's knife. I can, I can cut small things with it. I can cut big things with it. That's a very good answer as well. Very good answer as well. And to wrap it all up, as someone who has lived in New Jersey... I'm originally from New Jersey. Is New Jersey broken up into two or three basic geographical areas? Oh, three, possibly four, uh, really, when you look at it. You, you got the Jersey Shore south. You got the Jersey Shore north. You have the southern farmlands. You have Trenton, which 
by itself is just an entirely different entity. And then you got besides the <laughs> besides the Jersey Shore North, you've got northwestern New Jersey. So you know it's it's a small state, but I mean it's jam packed with all kinds of things. I was hoping to get that there's north, central, and south. Because where we are in Pensacola, New Jersey, people argue with me that there's no central Jersey. Oh. And I'm from Monmouth County. And I went, no, 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 there's a central Jersey. Yeah. There's there's a central Jersey. Central Jersey bleeds into different areas. Like I said, the Jersey Shore part of it, and then the central area away from the mm -hmm. water. But yeah, definitely, most definitely. Thank you, Chef Dennis, for taking the time. Can you just remind us again, walk us through, where can people find you and what will they find there so that they can go after this, they can look you up and check out all the interesting work that you're doing? Well, my blog is askchefdennis.com, and it's really easy to find. And if you just Google Chef Dennis, I'm liable to come up for the first few pages. Uh, and on social media, I'm Ask Chef Dennis, so it's really easy on Instagram, on Facebook, on Pinterest, uh, on uh, TikTok, although I don't very much on it, LinkedIn. Uh, and please, if you have a question about food, look through my recipes, see if something strikes your fancy. I mean, there's all kinds of things on there, you know, and uh, drop me a line, say hello, or tell me if you've made something. Uh, but definitely uh, come by. And if you sign up for uh, as a subscriber, you get one of my free eBooks with uh, actually it's 10 of my favorite fall recipes right now. Perfect. It's my favorite time of year. And I'm sure those are some delicious recipes. Again, thank you so much. This has been inspirational, and I'm sure that you've gotten at least a few people to want to get into the kitchen and remember that they can cook too. Thank you very much for having me on today. It's been a pleasure to, to get to speak with you and to talk about my passion because I do love cooking and love sharing it with others. What a nice conversation and an exploration into the travel and the teaching world with Chef Dennis and Brayden. Um, I have to say, though, Chef Dennis talked at one point about being influenced by another chef who literally made people moan while they tasted his food. And I think that Chef Dennis has ascended to that level because my mouth was salivating while listening to the descriptions behind some of his recipes. I actually looked through his site afterwards and, oh my gosh, the pork oso buco he's listed. It's basically a slow-cooked pork shank with a mirepoix base and some banging ingredients on top of everything else. I'm like stuttering through all of these words just because I can't focus on what I'm talking about. I just am focusing on what that dish would taste like. Probably have to make it now that the cooler weather is coming around. Um, but for anyone who's interested in looking more into Chef Dennis's recipes, if you go onto his site, they are all super easy to follow with step-by-step -step pictures and all kinds of tips. And you can find those by going to askchefdennis.com. That site is also filled with a lot of different travel recommendations, not just food-related. So if you're planning a nice big vacation and you're kind of stuck on what to do, uh, you can definitely check this site to get some inspiration. Before we get totally out of this episode, I just want to touch on the fact that I think it's really cool how Chef Dennis is staying current with the times. And you can see that especially when he referenced his mindset on how kids are more plugged in these days. And he's not saying to strip that away from the next generation, but rather than to use that in a productive way. So take those Instagram posts, take those TikToks, especially when it comes to food, as long as it's presented in a way where these things are shared with other people and all that. 
All right. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. So now with that, we say, be seeing you. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. That's supposed to be Brayden. Goodbye. Goodbye, Connie. Goodbye, Brayden. Goodbye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, baking troubles, or are just epicurious about the topics discussed today, you can send an email to epicureanunicorn at If your question is short and sweet, we may even feature it on the show. Epicurean Unicorn is a production of the Parados Corporation. Help us to keep spreading the magic of food through continued conversation and the pursuit of knowledge. This has been a Studio 47 production.